there and welcome along to the Jersnet Weekly Podcast, a totally independent Rangers podcast made by fans for fans where all of our content is absolutely free. And that free content doesn't end with the podcast here, but if you head over to our website at www.jersnet.co.uk, you can find a whole host of great stuff, including the very friendly discussion forum, articles, match previews, uh, as well as a very informative history archive. So please do head over to the website and check that out. If you're joining us live, uh, it's just gone 9.30pm on Friday, uh, Sunday, I should say the 5th of December. Thank you very, very much if you're with us. Please do give us your, your questions, your comments, your thoughts as we go through the show and we'll get to as many of those as we can. The podcast is always available for download first thing on a Monday morning, wherever you get your podcast from, including Acast, iTunes, YouTube, CastBox, Stitcher and also on Spotify. We're here to talk about what's been a very, very successful week by all accounts in the world of Rangers with uh, the the 1-0 win at Easter Road uh, on Wednesday night, followed up by uh, yesterday's very, very convincing 3-0 defeat of Dundee at Ibrox. Uh, so to help kind of keep these good times going, um, we have two top-class guests to, to talk through what's happened this week. First of all, Alex Anderson, a very, very warm welcome back. How are you? Yeah, I'm not bad, sir. A bit, a bit freaked out at having a Sunday to myself. Um, you know, the Rangers playing at three o'clock on a Saturday. It's really strange. I find myself... Uh, Having a Costa Coffee drive through for the first time ever today in, in Port Glasgow, of all places. It was quite quite kind of existentially. I thought, when did I ever think growing up that I'd be having a frappa lapa gappa fratty um in, in Port Glasgow or a Drosn or any of these places you can get one nowadays? But I it's been uh, apart from the, the kind of horror of what's happening to our wheelchair supporters, it's been a great AGM, great result on Wednesday, great result yesterday, and uh, the sun was out in Guruk today, so I am Strangely good mood. I don't actually know how to cope it. What were you? Uh, what were you doing in Guruk? Got family there. Yeah, you know, just um, um, my better half, just down there for a bit of sunshine, a bit of walk about. Nice. You know, usually I spend my Sundays kind of hiding under the couch, wondering what Rangers are going to do. You know, it's but uh, it's just been so so strangely relaxed and enjoyable. I've got all this kind of spare stress, so I decided to get a coffee just to ramp it up another gear. Excellent. Very nice, very nice. Also with us tonight, uh, it's a very warm welcome back to Stuart Weir. Stuart, how about you? Were you sort of touring the sites of west of Glasgow seaside towns? Uh, no, no such joy. I was in the process of uh, Christmas tree construction and um, or, or demolition, one of the two, I'm not quite sure. Um, but uh, it, it's, a, it's a fate that befalls many of us this time in the year. And um, I think it's as quick as you can get it done sometimes, although in my household, I don't think that's uh, ever a, a, a possibility. It uh, it will take as long as it takes. And if that means it, it takes a week, then <laughs> it takes a week. Um, but a, a, day's, a, a day's long enough for me. Uh, absolutely. You strike me as the kind of man who's staunch enough to try and turn a Christmas tree blue rather than have a green feature in your front room. No, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm not as uh, pedantic as that. I'm, I'm pretty liberal when it comes to colours, and nice. uh, it, it, you know, I, I think I'm, I'm, the only colour I'd like I would have, or colours I would have in, in terms of Christmas trees would be red or white. Uh, growing up you know, in the sixties, when suddenly people started putting up white white Christmas trees <laughs> I was shocked uh, even anyways would think about doing such a thing you know I, I think when it comes to that I'm staunchly green actually but I mean white white and red Christmas trees get them in the bin right so that's that's the first thing we can put to our listeners this evening what's the the, the least acceptable colour to have your Christmas tree white and red I think I, I, I probably agree with this um, that does feel very 70s 
Um, gents, it has been a very positive week. Um, and actually, as, as, as Alex says, we, we had the AGM, which now feels like it was about a month ago, given how quickly time marches on in, in the world of Scottish football. But we'll, we'll look back at, um, at both games this weekend and we'll start with, with yesterday's game whilst everything's fresh in the memory. Um, a very, very convincing, comprehensive 3-0 victory uh, over an extraordinarily poor Dundee side, I think, who, who actually the scoreline was only kept respectable, probably due to their goalkeeper, who I thought did very, very well. Alec, before the game kicked off, there were some surprises in the squad, notably Ryan Kent and Steve Davis not even making the bench, let alone the starting eleven. Um, what do you think the, the reason was behind that? Uh, Leon. Ross, I'm, I'm I'm thinking, you know, I, I think it's co- I think the, the the game coming up on Thursday has coincided maybe with the uh, those two players in particular maybe needing a wee rest. Um, I'm I'm sure it was nothing more than them just being rested. I think like Kamar Roof didn't get played either, but he's not been having a lot of game time recently, so I think it was okay for him to be in the squad, you know, and uh, doing his warm ups and warm downs and what have you, being generally involved. Whereas I think maybe Ryan Kent, who's played the the early part of the season with an injury. And then has been out through injury and has has worked his socks off, quite frankly, uh, since since Gio uh, arrived. He's probably due a rest, and Steve Davis as well. You know, he probably gets sick of hearing you know amateur observers like me talking about his age. You know, um, especially somebody in my physical condition um, or lack thereof. But he's 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 at that stage of his career where we can get him rested. He looked a bit out of sorts at Easter Road, but but so did everybody else uh, for most of that game. Um, so I wouldn't want me too hard on him. I just I do remember after his the post match interview I think after the Sparta Prague game and it might just have been the lighting but he looked like a tired man he did look kind of like he just taken a bit of a whitey like me after too many kind of Mars bars with my cup of tea um, he he looked a bit kind of like he could do a wee a wee rest and maybe he's just he's just needed that um, and I think I, you know we'll talk about Leon later on obviously but I think it was maybe towards towards that and Gio's had the confidence to know that Dundee. You know, as well as they've been doing, you know, they have been doing quite well recently. Dundee, um, that Rangers are in a groove where they could they could cope cope with that without without uh, without Kent and and Davis, and we coped wonderfully without them. I think you're right that uh, Davis, in particular, did look out of sorts, um, and we've spoken at length about the fact last season he was probably played more than he should have been because of necessity, and we maybe don't have that necessity. Is it is it a bit strange, Alec, that we would be resting these players? to keep them fresh for Leon in what's essentially a, a dead rubber game in Europe. Well, that, that's it. I mean, I'm, I'm just guessing. I don't know. You know, it's... it's um, it, it, I don't know if you want to jump ahead in the agenda or whatever, but, you know, I, I don't know what the approach is going to be at Leon. You know, it, it's one of these places you could go and you could, you know, you could put your full team out and they can still give you... They can still basically do to us uh, what we did to Dundee yesterday if they're on their game. Um, so... I was thinking after yesterday's game, the great thing about the win uh, yesterday was it just it really bedded in the, the Gio Van Bronckhurst era. You know, we're no yeah. longer in just a kind of reaction to, you know, a new manager being in. The players are obviously comfortable in his system. We had a bit of a lull, if you like, Easter Road without dropping a single point. Um, and then we've picked up again yesterday and, and, and looked really good. So the idea is if we go to Leon and we lose over there, no one's too bothered. But I think that's easier said than the, the reality is always a bit different. If you... You know, if we get if we get a, a serious battering over there, it can dent confidence. You know, yeah. um, I know everybody wants players rested. We know that Tynecastle is, is is a really vital game. Celtic winning uh, impressively today, so you know, we're, 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 we're under pressure. You know, we, we need to keep we need to keep winning. Uh, it's a big away game uh, in the league, so we need we need everybody fit. 
Um, but it's a fine balance between being rested and being slack. You know, and I, I wouldn't be too bothered if we played a, a strong side, if we put a strong side out there mm-hmm. uh, in Leon. Um, it's, apart from anything else, you, you, the, the talk at the AGM, you know, the, the, the money these days, it's 210,000 euros um, yeah. a point. You know, you're basically getting half a million pounds if you were to win um, uh, on Thursday night. So we, we, we kind of be sniffing at that kind of thing. But I think in terms of confidence, um, I don't think we'll be feel. I don't think we'll be feeling too weakened at time uh, aside, you know. And um, yeah, it's, it's it's interesting, and that's the thing I'm finding just now with Geo. I'm actually not worrying too much about the opponents. I'm just I'm really looking forward to seeing what what he does, what, what kind of team he puts out, and how how he's going to go for it. It's it's interesting and it's it's entertaining as well. Yeah. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely, Stuart is um, very very positive yesterday, and 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 arguably. Rangers' best performance of the season so far, um, totally dominant from from the first whistle, really creating a lot of chances. Um, what did you What did you make of Rangers' performance at Ibrox yesterday? Um, I, I did wonder if they were actually better by not playing Kent and Davis. I do wonder whether Giovanni Van Bronckhorst has gone under the kind of radar a bit here by saying yeah I'm saving these guys and giving them a rest when actually he wanted to try something different I think Davis is is an out ball for too many players on the pitch sometimes when he plays and I mean I don't mean an out ball in terms of you play it long and then catch up with play I think he's always available to take a pass which means sometimes play gets bogged down and it's quite slow and I think Van Bronckhorst is one of these guys that wants to play at, at a pace and at a tempo equally I think that Ryan Kent that, and, I, and I've said it often enough I think we've all said it that, that, that Rangers sometimes look to Kent to perform like some kind of circus act and if he doesn't do it nobody does it and I do wonder whether yesterday was an opportunity to basically say to guys like, you know, Aribo, you have to be more creative, or Hadji, you need to be more creative, you need, to, you need to take possession of the ball more and try and create more for other people um, and take that onus and that dependency away from Kent. The other thing is um, not being shy about it, against a team like Dundee coming to Ibrox, you run the risk of somebody, especially like Kent, disappearing into the Clyde. You know, if 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 somebody just decides to have a a, a, a go at him, and I don't think Rangers have got enough resources in terms of that creativity to allow, you know, Kent to face up to Dundee when Dundee might not, not be taking any prisoners um, and might be feeling, you know, once they got a goal behind or two goals behind, this game's over and done with. Let's leave our mark in a different way. Well, speaking of creativity, Stuart, um, Joe Arrivo uh, essentially created or scored the first two goals. Arguably, the, the first could have been a known goal as well as the second, but um, they've both come about from Joe Arrivo being creative, being direct and... and um, making chances happen. Aribo is is arguably our player of the season so far. What does he bring in terms of creativity when players like Kent aren't playing, when Morelos isn't on form, as, as he certainly wasn't in the first half anyway yesterday? I think he brings, a, I think a lot of creative players, he brings a level of frustration. 
sometimes he just holds on to the ball for a split second before releasing it. And then when he does release it, it doesn't quite get to the player he was intending it for. He only needs to get it right once, maybe twice in a game, and all of a sudden, you know, Rangers could be a goal or two goals to the good. I think you saw that with actually the, the chances that he did create yesterday and the, the party played on, on Rangers taking that lead. Um, I think, ultimately, he's a guy who is a very, very talented player. I don't think he can, how can I put it, inject the urgency demanded sometimes by the Rangers fans, the Rangers support. I think they like to see him doing things a bit quicker. Um, I'm not sure whether it's because he's got these big long legs that makes it look as if he, uh, he he's slightly ponderous, but he's a talented player. And I think yesterday again, you actually saw that he's a, he's a, a useful acquisition. He's, he's a good guy to have in that team. I, I still... There's a bit of me does wonder whether you can have Aribo, Haji, and Kent all in the same team, or whether you need some, you know, as I would I would call them maybe the hot carriers, just to just to get win the ball and allow them to create rather than them having to do some of the the, the backtracking as well. But what were you know how many games, how many minutes into Giovanni van Bronckhorst's regime or reign? Um, and so far, so good. Two games, two clean sheets, and you know things are are, are on the up. Things are very much on the up. That's four uh, four games so far, is it not? Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, Sparta, Livy, Hibs, and Dundee. Um, yeah, clean sheets in clean sheets. Yeah, clean sheets in all of them, um, and also scoring first in all of them. Yeah, finding finding the uh, net more often, and yeah, yeah. And I've said I've said often enough on here. It's it's. Rangers were constantly giving themselves an uphill task by yeah. going a goal behind. It's amazing how easy football can be and how easily you pick up three points when you go a goal to the good and then look as if you're actually capable of holding on to that goal and adding to it. Mm-hmm. It's um, and I and I think and we'll maybe touch upon it, um, you know, in a bit. But I, I think there's a positivity about Van Bronckhorst and how he wants to play. And, and the, how he wants his team to play. And that is definitely on the front foot. Doesn't mean to say hitting 328 passes and having 98% possession. You don't get anything for that. Mm-hmm. You get points for, for scoring goals. And I think ultimately Rangers have been more direct in his short tenure than they were at the tail end of what Steven Gerrard was doing. Yeah, I think, I think that's undeniable. Uh, Alec, I guess part of that will be um, the, the creative choices that, that, that Gio makes in terms of Kent or, or uh, Hadji, Joe Rebo. And the interesting one for me yesterday was Fashion Sakala playing um, in a wide role, but a very advanced role, and playing alongside Alfredo Morelos. Now, Morelos has been um, really the guy who's had to carry the burden of scoring goals for Rangers over the past few seasons, maybe not so much last year, but certainly in two or three years before that. Uh, Sakala alongside Morelos seemed to work pretty well yesterday. Lisa um, Sakala didn't get on the score sheet, but I thought he, he played well, he created a lot. Um, but Morelos hasn't necessarily had a lot of success with strike partners. I remember he didn't play particularly well when we had uh, Jason Cummings alongside him, for example. Um, do you think that that's something that could that could work, Sakala and Morelos playing together? It seemed to, to work out pretty well yesterday. 
he seems to like Sakala. Yeah. Um, I think there's a for me it looks like him and Ruth don't go on. You know, I just I mean that could just be complete complete nonsense. I'm just making this up. Um, but it's you can imagine the way Alfie conducts himself. We love him. I mean, we love. He's, he's like a kind of a spoiled toddler at times. You know, you, you want to pull your hair out because he's he's frustrating you. But you know, he's got that kind of ego uh, about him. He's very huffy at times uh, for the right reasons. No, for not scoring, for getting you know taken off uh, when he, he's still got to get a goal. But you can imagine him having a bit of a problem with a quality seasoned striker um, who's done it. You know, in the big leagues in Europe. Well, in England anyway, uh, like Kamar Roof, who won't take any nonsense off anybody in training or whatever, won't won't suffer any other egos because he's he's seen enough of them. Whereas like Sakala looks like a guy who's very much wanting to be liked, you know, is is this going to is is, is going to get his head down and work away and be really honest about it. Um I I I find it really difficult. Uh, as I was saying to uh, Stuart off here one night, I've got my, my, my favorite kind of metaphor for this or analogies is the the Findus chicken lasagna. You know, I, I love my chicken. I love my lasagna. Probably my two favourite meals. Um, and and about twenty years ago, Findus brought out a chicken lasagna, and I thought, well, that obviously <laughs> is going to be my favourite food of all time. And it was awful. It was just a terrible, terrible thing. And I feel that way with Ruth and Morelis. I think that they're both absolutely. I can't decide which one I love more as a striker. But I mean, they both scored in like, old firm games you know, in the same game and stuff like that. They've been fantastic, but they don't seem to gel or work together in the way that I would always have hoped they would. I kept waiting for it to happen, but it never really happened. Whereas with Sakala, even at Livingston last Sunday, uh, when Sakala came on, uh, Alfie was doing some serious running for him and, and, and cutting the ball across to him. I'm not inferring for a second that Alfredo wouldn't want to pass to Roof, you know, to, to, to deny him uh, goals or whatever. Let's just say he's, he's maybe he's maybe not followed his run properly a few times, but he's kind of hit me a, a bad ball a few times and it looked easier to put him in on goal. But um, no, I think Sakala yesterday uh, really, as you say, combined really well with Morelos. But I think that whole front line, and effectively at one point it was like with six up front. You know, it was just you know, I, th- I, th- I thought they, they, they all played really well, and the combination was fantastic. The difference seemed to be that on the right hand side, you know, Stuart's talking about the kind of frustration sometimes with Joe Aribu, who looks a bit ponderous or whatever, and that whole right hand side seemed to be working moves that were really quite intricate, you know, and really bit but fantastic, aesthetically really pleasing and lovely to watch. And they were they they took a bit more time to get the job done, but they were all working. I think I'm not having a go at Charlie Adam here, um, but it was a really lean performance by Rangers. It was a, it was it was it was really pared down. Nothing was really going to waste. Um, on, again, nothing was going to waste unlike unlike Charlie. Um, I'm saying that as a fellow fatty myself. But it on the left-hand side, it just seemed like everybody, everybody from Dundee had been dragged over to pay attention to what was going on in the right, you know, because Arfield was there, Arebo was there, Hadji was there, then Tavernier was overloading at times as well, whereas Fashion Sakala was just piling right down that left, um, at, at times totally unhindered, and just, um, I thought he was electric yesterday, it was fantastic, I felt as if he was exactly halfway between the Ryan Kent role that he's been given under, under Geo, of hanging on that left wing, you know, of getting starting out on that left wing, and playing alongside Alfie. You know, it was kind of half and half, and he was just cutting right through that kind of inside left channel, if you're right. I was trying, I was trying to think, I was trying, Alex, I was trying to think in a Rangers context who Sakala reminded me of. And this is, this is a, I, I, can, I, can, I can hear people hitting their keyboards already. There's a bit of me that says 
he rem- he reminds me of like Ted McMahon. That he was going to be really direct when he was on his game. He was really on his game. He excited the fans because of his directness, and he was he was talented. And there were certain times yesterday when he just got it, and it was I mean the, the when he wrong footed the, the the fullback when he looked as if he was stepping on his right foot and then went left, and the guy you know he nearly threw the guy into the turf. I mean that was just a thing of beauty. I mean, the finish wasn't very good, but I, I just think there's an eagerness from Sakala to please. Not just please himself, but please the fans as well. And I think he's really a guy who lives off that vibe. And equally, I think that's why Morelis quite likes playing with him. Because I think Morelis realises that if he does the team bit and gets the ball to somebody like Sakala, he's going to be so direct. All he's interested in is getting balls back across the face of goal where Morelis should be to, to tuck one or two, you know, away. And I think that's why he might, you know, I think whereas maybe Ruth thinks he could walk the ball into the net in certain positions, mm-hmm. I think Sakala basically either has a go at goal or gets it into a, a danger area that somebody else will benefit from. And all in all, I think he's a, he's a he, he, he's been a good acquisition. I think he's tried everything, Stuart. I think he's, yeah. he's been, we've not really known what kind of player Sakala is. Um, he, he had a physicality about him that I didn't realise he had in that game when he gets a hat trick at Fur Park. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he was he murdered O'Donnell, um, Scotland international <laughs> Stephen O'Donnell. He just bullied him all over the park uh, at times, nearly got him sent off. And he yesterday, I, I thought that was an aspect of his play I hadn't really expected to see either, where he was almost like the kind of Ryan Kent role, you know, much more direct as we're saying. And you were talking about Ryan Kent, you know, you could get punted into Clyde yesterday, Bo Sakala. He's not a man that goes down for a head injury, no. and he gets the ba- he gets the bandage on, and he and the bandage is gone five minutes later when he comes out for the second half. Um, he looks kind of slight, <laughs> especially at that pace, but he was he's up for it, you know, and he's he's, he's putting himself all over the place. And uh, I thought he was I thought he was absolutely tremendous yesterday, and it's a it's a it's not a string to our bow up front. Mm-hmm. It was it was tremendous yesterday, and it's it's the attitude alongside the ability that he has that is really endearing himself to the to the support. Um, He's genuinely just seems like an incredibly charming guy, and the kind of guy you want playing on your team for, for all the right reasons. So, um, yeah, good good scouting and a, a a joy to have. Another player, Alec, that's um, very much impressed me this season. Uh, perhaps again, one that we didn't have massive expectations for is Calvin Bassey. And Bassey's had to play uh, a, a difficult role, I suppose, in understudying last season for for Borna Barisic, who had a he had a good season last year. Harris it started this season, in my opinion, quite poorly. Um, and Bassey was was doing well at, at left back. And then because of our centre half crisis, he's he's still in, in the centre of defence. Um, now his first couple of showings there, I think we can all agree were, were poor. But Bassey is another one who is it appears under Geo has really grown um already, even in only in four games. And I thought again yesterday in, in the centre half role, he was performing really, really well, really assured and really competent. How have you seen his performances and his development this season? Really exciting, really impressed, Ross. Same as yourself. And I think a lot is down to Stephen Gerrard as well. Obviously, he's you know scouted him, got him in. Um, and we knew at the time, I think the first time I was ever on this pod, um, we just beaten Leon and took the, the uh, you know, the Valois trophy, whatever it was. And uh, we just signed Calvin Bassey. And it was, you're looking at, he knew nothing about him. 
left back or centre half. We thought, all right, that's fine. There's a couple of options there. And he started off as I said. I think I said to Colin on Friday night. He had a, a bit of a nightmare against St Mirren in the League Cup exit last season. But a lot of players are in a nightmare that night, and you're worried that he's even going to be a good left back. Um, and we've watched this season. He was getting slated in the first game against uh, Livingston, uh, the first league game of the season against Livingston for, for being poor at cross. And I thought it was, yeah, I thought it might be better than a third cross was was actually excellent. And it was just nobody was noticing the fact that he was powerful. He had the pace. He was taking up the. He was keeping the shape going of the Steven Gerrard system of you know the, the wing back getting to the opposition byline. And uh, he's crossing, get better, and he's just to the point where he's done that thing. It's almost like to, to seal the fact that he's arrived. The the, the kind of apotheosis of the the Gerrard Beal blueprint was always when one fullback crosses for the other fullback to score. You know, against Galatasaray, but we saw it this season. It was Borna Barisic. Sorry, it wasn't Borna Barisic. It was Bassi was crossing for James Tavernier to equalise at Fir Park. Um, and so when he get moved into the centre half, I thought, oh, no, this is, you know, he's just getting used to playing left back. He's just coming on to a game. This is actually going to be too much for him. But as I said to Colin on Friday, maybe this is why um, one of the reasons Conor Golson's not been 100% on it, he's having to babysit, you know, Bassi. Maybe it's to do with our attack and he's keeping the pressure off them. But I think he's been absolutely fantastic um, for a temporary... Like a guy who's been asked to play a second position already this season at, at still quite a young age in front of the Ibrox crowd who are very critical. I think he's done really well. And I'm in a position now where I'm thinking I'm thinking about the changes for, for Thursday night. I'm looking... And Borna had a great game yesterday. But I'm looking more at, you know, is Balogun going to come back in and Bassi's going to go into left-back? Because I, I, I can't see him being dropped just now. He was fairly untested yesterday, so he's, he's not going to exactly be exhausted. But he looks, again, the attitude is absolutely fantastic. Um, he's willing to learn. And I, he's been, he's, he's, I've been really encouraged. I wasn't too confident for him last season. But this season, I'm thinking, yeah, we've got a diamond there. Yeah. No, I, I, think, I think you're spot on. Um, and actually, that is another good, good point that you make, is that whilst Barisic has been poor this season, he played very, very well yesterday. Very confident and, and, and very direct. Um, Stuart, we'll, we'll move on and we'll start thinking about Hibs who played back on Wednesday. Um, a very, very difficult, tense game and, and obviously set against the context of being packed out the cup a couple of weeks back um, with a, a really, really disappointing display. Um, it was far from comfortable on Wednesday. Was that because Hibs were well organised and well drilled and we couldn't break them down? Or was it sort of two poor teams cancelling each other out for a lot of that game? No, I, I think um, you might be doing Hibs a bit of a disservice there given what happened in the League Cup semi-final. Um, I think, you know, I, I, I must prefer to think of Hibs as being a decent team um, uh, given the result of that game. Uh, however, I, I think Rangers were wary. It was almost like a, a boxing contest where you had two counter-punchers, knowing how dangerous the other one could be if you dropped your guard. And I think Rangers stuck with it through the course of the game and eventually get the reward with um, the softest hard penalty or the hardest soft penalty I've seen in a while. Um, you know, I, I think that was uh, I think that was an, another element to to Rangers playing for 90 minutes and beyond to get a result. And and also and also the manager actually making substitutions that looked as if they were positive substitutions. 
And as much as I'm going to make this switch now, and I'm going to make it at this particular time in the match, because I think this will serve us best to actually win or take three points. So all in all, I, I thought it was a it was a, a, a good performance from Rangers. Again, you score first, you make it easy for yourself. The fact that it's only a matter of a couple of minutes before full time makes it even easier. Just to, just to go back to the the, the um, about Bassey, I think it, it's probably a compliment now that you wouldn't be sure whether he was a left-back or a left-sided central defender. I think that's how competent he's been in both positions this this year. I would still have Holanda in there before I'd have anybody, but um, and, and, and again, it might well be, um, you know, I, I remember sitting at a dinner with um, Sir David Murray and um, him saying that um, his his biggest task was going to be either getting rid of um, Danny Wilson or um, Majid Bagheera before somebody realised that David Weir was giving both of them a, a, a defensive masterclass on the pitch when he played with them. That was how much coaching was going on. And, and I, there, there might be a bit of that with Goldson. I think he's, he's actually watching Tavernier more than he's watching um, Bassey. Uh, that aside, I, I, I thought the Hibs, the Hibs game was a good continuation of, of where... Um, Van Bronckhorst and the players had had you know kicked off and, and they basically picked up you know game plan wise approach wise tactically wise and I, and I thought all in all it was a good a good win and a good three points and an important three points and an important win given the context of this season because I think this is going to be really really tight. Yeah, that's a good point. I I like the point you make about the the subs um, and it was probably evidenced by. Uh, Sakala being warmed up and it was about to come on and then we take the lead and, and he sort of scraps that and, and, and puts Lundstrom on instead and I really like Gio's comments after the game where he, he sort of said in a very non-British non-humble way I made the right decision you know actually mm-hmm. he did he got it he got it spot on he, he absolutely did the right thing brought uh changed his mind after the after the sort of complexion of the game changed and um shut up shop and it, it absolutely worked Alec, let's address the sort of full controversy of the week. Uh, Rangers received a penalty with sort of 10 minutes to go in the game. Kamara tucked it away. Um, now, in my opinion, Ryan Porteous, who had actually played pretty well, I think, all game, um, wouldn't uh, want to lie and say that he hadn't. Um, but it's a player who always manages to sort of make some kind of talking point in the game against Rangers. Um, in my opinion, Ryan Porteous had been absolutely done by Kent sort of cutting insight into the box, um, made contact. The, the way that Kent was running, he was any contact was going to send him down. And for me, it was a trip and a foul and a penalty. Uh, no soft about it. How, how did you see that? Yeah, I think everybody's been confused by the fact that they're so used to seeing Ryan Porteous go in straight leg, trying to disembowel uh, any kind of attacker he can, especially one in a, in a, in a blue shot. That the, if he just touches somebody, just basically fills somebody in a normal sort of way, it's it's kind of be right, just kind of be a penalty. I think it's also because it's you know it's a penalty to Rangers, and if we keep shouting about how Rangers always get penalties as part of some conspiracy, eventually we'll get a situation that I th- that could get reap benefits for Celtic at Parkhead in the, the second of January. You know, um, but no, I think it was uh, it's a penalty. It's just a penalty all day long. Um, you see the. 
the replay from behind the goals. I think Neil McCann was pointing that out um, in, in sports scene on that that night to say that's one. It, it shows you him just t- taking the foot from him. I think Ryan Kent is going for it. Ryan, Ryan Kent knows what's going to happen. He's like any good forward player. He wants a penalty. Um, but he was, again, as I've seen, the, the preview pods um, on, on Friday night, looking back at the Hibs game, were, were, Kent was getting more and more joy than that left-hand side. He was, it was kind of like a slow turning of the screw. He was getting closer and closer. He was bringing out a good save from uh, Portis's face earlier on. He was, you know, having a wee shot. The keeper was saving it at the near post. And it was just, he was just in the point of going off. And maybe, that, maybe that's why Ryan Kent didn't get started yesterday because Sakala was supposed to come on. <laughs> he was due He was due to come on at some point for Kent. So he just made it the D game. Um, but he cut in and it was just, when it was roofing, it was roofing Arfield coming on that really, you know, turned the game for us. As I say, I don't know how much of that was the rest of the Rangers team kind of softening heads up as much as they were softening us up. And they've just come on and reaped the benefit. But when Ruth and Arfield come on, they looked really fantastic and they really started working hips and uh, it started moving our way. And I think Ken was it was just it was inevitable what was going to happen. Um but oh god, it was a it was a foul all day long. And I think in fairness, most of the pundits that I've heard, um, you know, the non-kind of shock jock um type pundits have said it was a penalty. And as I said the other night, um, even Michael Stewart said it was a penalty, so come on. Yeah, Michael Stewart has found his way back onto sports scene and sports sound and view from a terrace and all that. And that's what it took, selling his soul to the establishment club, obviously. Absolutely. Finally, uh, <laughs> finally, he seems to have gotten over the failed, failed trial. Stuart, it was it was Kemar Roof who stood up to to take that penalty. Um, Tavernier has uh, missed a significant number of his of, of his last bunch. Do you feel more confident with Roof taking penalties or would you be happy to see Tav step up again? I I have to admit that when the penalty was about to be taken, I was suddenly aware of just how huge the Hibs goalkeeper looked. Yeah. He looked he looked like action man playing in your subutio goals. You know what I mean? It was like, how the hell is he going to get his ball past him or around him? But Ruth is one of these guys that backs himself. You know, I think he's bringing in confidence and self-belief and knows his limits, which might not be a, always a good thing. I think he should know your limits, but I think he actually, you know, his glass is always half full. He always fancies himself in these situations. And he, he dispatched the penalty absolutely, you know, beautifully. Just just touching upon something we said earlier on there, or what, what I maybe said a, a couple of weeks back, the, the substitutions, I think that's another example of Giovanni Brown Bronkhorst backing himself. He he has a real level of self-belief. He's not overly not overconfident. He just believes in himself. And you know, given the experience that he has, I think he's he's learned from a whole lot of different people. I mean, how many times have we been doing this? Fantastic manager as he was with Rangers screaming at Walter Smith to make a substitution um, when he was loath to, to do so and, and you know guys before before him as well and you, you look at Van Bronckhorst and it's almost like he set his watch to say I must look at my watch just now because I thought after 63 minutes I might make a substitution here and if I do make a substitution it's going to be you and, and it basically takes off I think he also takes off the player or a, or a couple of players who might actually 
not be giving 100% either in terms of their performance or in terms of their, 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 their fitness level. I don't think he's frightened to substitute players. I think, he, I think he looks at it and say and basically says, will I make this Rangers team better? Will I make my team better by making a substitution? And he goes ahead and does it. And I think, you know, as you touched upon there, Ross, and on Wednesday night, it was, um, it was Ruth and Arfield that came on. And you could just see that step change. You could just see that wee bit of momentum coming into the Rangers play. Like if they were on, if they were on the front foot, you could just see them actually pressing up and 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 attacking with a bit more positivity. And um, ultimately, I think it comes down to the the the, the coach and manager, and also the guys buying into that philosophy because they are now. I think with the performances that you've seen from Rangers in the last couple of weeks, I think there's more belief. I think they honestly think that they can go and still win games, even if it's not going their way. I think they can. They think that these games are there to be won, rather than just settling and say, oh, we'll take a point in this one. No, you know, you're not going to win the title by taking a point in midweek at Easter Road. You're going to win the title by taking three points when it's least expected. Yeah, absolutely. I guess that brings us on to, you know, I have, have a, an evaluation, a mini evaluation of Gio in his first four games in charge. Um, Alec, he, he he promised changes. He promised that we'd be able to see changes in the way he set his team up ahead of his first game. And I think that there was maybe some surprise or some disappointment from the fan base in that the team sheets that have been coming out, the way that the team looks on paper to be set up, it's very, very similar to what we saw under Gerrard. Now, granted, He's got the same players. There's not been a transfer window, etc. But what do you think the main differences have been so far? Clearly, as we've alluded to, we're not conceding goals. We're we're scoring more frequently. Um, there seems to be more confidence flowing through the players at the moment. But practically speaking, what's changed? Uh, I think in tactical terms, it just seems to be instead of doing the kind of. Uh, the two, I, I think Gerard's team was like kind of like you know like heavy metal fans do the kind of sign of the beast, you know, and, and plan it was like that. It was your, your kind of fist was the two sitting kind of two or three sitting midfielders, you know, Davis, Kamara, maybe sometimes Ryan Jack, and your two pronged fingers hitting the byline with the two full, two fullbacks. Whereas I think we 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 geo it's more kind of slanted, you know. Instead of up, you're, sometimes you're getting Glenn Kamara. I think if it's a team we expected to beat, it looks from the, the, the four games already that he's just going to have one sitting midfielder in there. And the idea is, like Stuart was talking about earlier, quite rightly, I think Davis and Kamara could actually play each other, could, could, could slow Rangers down at times at games like Livingston, where there's a whole bank of defenders in front of you and the easy sideways passage, you, you're kind of looking for another option, but it's letting them bed in. It's like Gio said, no, you're going to go forward or you're going to slip it back. Connor Golson can play with the ball at his feet. Um, so if you're looking for an out an out ball, a safety pass, hit it back to Connor Goldson. Other words, get it forward. And it looks like now instead of that, that kind of two sitting midfielders, we've got one fullback is staying while the other one bombs on. I thought yesterday it was just James Tavernier was getting forward until I looked back at the goals last night and noticed Borna Barisic is, is up there with Joe Aribo for the second goal. Uh, Tav sits back when Borna goes. Um, and the goals were scored as a kind of diagonal it seems to go from one side of the park to the other, kind of like Orion's belt or a connect four diagonal. It's going upwards while it goes across the park, the move, you know, and it's almost like coming from the sitting mid, the sitting fullback is going through the middle. The, the, the move until the, up to the, 
Kenton got fouled for the penalty on Wednesday night seemed to sum that up you know it goes from Glen Kamara getting the ball deep and then it's Hadji to Arfield out to Kent and the ball's moving upwards all the time um, and then we cut in and we, we, get, we get the penalty the, I think the second goal we scored at Livingston as well was much the same and it's obviously it's supposed to have the one up front as well on his own um, as opposed to the 4-3-3 you know um, having three up front but it's kind of it's just I think when we're doing well like I say he totally backs himself and he wants his team to back himself as well it's just it's like we'll get six up front at some points you know it's, mm-hmm. it really is big overload and stuff and we're going to be we're going to be okay at the back because we've got that one sitting kind of, kind of full back um, I think in terms of I wasn't very enthusiastic as I've said before on here about signing Giovanni Van Bronckhurst I thought it was a good solid appointment but I didn't think and I think what I was doing was reacting to the over-enthusiasm about him from a lot of people who were obviously hurting at the Gerard appointment. They hurting at Gerard leaving and wanted to, to celebrate, you know, kind of OTT um, to kind of compensate for that. But now I look at it, I think it was because what we needed was something cool. We needed someone to keep it going and just kind of screw the nut a bit. It's all, the, the, the easy comparison is with Graeme Souness and Walter Smith replacing Graeme Souness. Souness brought the club up by the hair. He was a combustible character. It was what we needed at that time. But after a few years... We needed something smoother to keep us going um, at the top, keep us at the top. And I think Stephen Gerrard would come into press conferences and look like he wanted a fight. You know, he was, he was up for a fight. He's up for he had a bit of cheeky patter, ready, ready to cut, cut somebody down. Geo just looks like there won't be a fight. You know, as I said in another, uh, another preview pod we did, it just looks like it's, there'll, there'll not be a fight. You'll just be gone. You know, it, I'm, I can't believe the change in him is from, from his playing days. I know you've got a bit of steel in you when you're, you know, getting to World Cup finals and getting to Champions League finals, but he was always a bubbly character. He was all about fitness. He was all about skill. And his, his goal celebrations were always really crazy and wacky. And he was having a, a laugh. And he's maybe put on about an ounce of weight since he retired. <laughs> but the face is just, that's an old man who's seen stuff, you know? And he just, he's, he's lovely. I mean, he's, but he's quite monotone in his press conferences. The bubbliness is gone and he's all serious. He's not a gaffer. He's the boss. He's, he's got that change straight away as well. Um, and I think he's exactly, it's almost what this Rangers team looked like they were needing. They're just, they need somebody who's just going to ooze kind of class the same way Gerard did. But the vital difference is Van Bronckhurst has played a World Cup final, is a, maybe a bit better in terms of overall achievement, but also he's done what Gerard has done. He's been at his hometown club, actually. You know, he's a Rotterdam boy. Feyenoord in the same position, a comparable position with what Rangers are in Scotland. He got them back to win a league title. This is finally the first Dutch team to win the European Cup and all that. And they've been in the bin for years. And he dragged them back to the very top. So he's already done something comparable to what Gerard did with us uh, last season. And now he's just coming in with a kind of a spirit of continuation, which is what I think Rangers needed, you know. Um, and he's just he's 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 not revolutionized anything, but it's, and it's not even evolution either. We'll get a lot of tinkering, I think, but in, in the winter time, we'll find out. Um in the winter break, you probably do more tactically, and in the summer, you know, bring in some more of his own players and maybe change things a bit more. But right now, he's he's just landed at the perfect time and at the perfect manner. You see that? You see the point that you made there, Alex, about the, about the team sheet and it not really having changed that much. It's very difficult to change anything when the players that have been purchased have been to play a two-three-one formation, and and suddenly having these guys playing like. 3-6-1 for instance it, it, it's almost impossible to get these guys if you've not got the right players I mean I remember I remember Alex McLeish 
not not an argument with him, but him saying that he wanted uh, he wanted Rangers to play at Valencia with Dado Perzo up front and and Thomas Buffel just behind him because that's how Valencia played, you know. And I and I and I did say to him, I mean, it's easy for Valencia to do that because they've got John Carew up front and Imar behind them. <laughs> you know, it's it's it, it, it's one thing playing a particular tactics or playing a particular style, but you've got to the players to play that. And I think very, 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 very tiny details that you've seen where you can say that's Van Bronckhorst, his influence or how he wants the team to play. We, we touched upon him um, earlier on there. Fashion Sakala, he suddenly become an aerial threat coming in at a back post and showing, you know, showing that the, the goal he scored... Um, was it last week? Was it against Livingston or was it against Motherwell? Can't remember. But anyway, the header. Scored headers against both teams, both, Stuart. Both, both um, that's that's when you actually see all of a sudden there's a a, 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 a a subtle tactical change that balls get in further towards the back post. Has suddenly got somebody coming in to meet them, and that is because Sakala has been coached to make that run because there will be chances at the back post for you. That wasn't there under, under Steven Gerrard. Right. Rangers were very fixed in how they approached the game. And, and, I, and, I, and I think, um, you know, I think Giovanni Van Bronckhorst has played under enough managers and seen enough coaches to know that the one thing you cannot be is somebody else. You need to be your own man. So the man that he is, is somebody who will try different things and live or die by that. And that's nah. that is that is refreshing to see. Nah. David Fraser said a great thing in, in this pod a few Sundays ago, um, when I was saying that the Rangers need to get a new manager in by the Monday, or else there'll be a riot, and they got a new manager in by the Thursday, and everybody was absolutely fine with it. I'm talking rubbish, and David was talking about how a Dutchman is just going to have a tactical acuity, and no no system that was going to be in place at Rangers would be too complicated for for like an, a a middle ranking Dutch coach, mm-hmm. you know, and there's no system that's that's good enough. That they kind of do something better with it. They're, they're, they're a nation uh, that, that knows. Have you, you read David Winner's, you know, Brilliant Orange? Twenty years old now. That book, uh, thirty years old maybe. But it just gives you a kind of insight into the the Dutch are fantastic when it comes to the tactics and the and, and mm. spatial awareness and what have you. Um, so the guys he's worked with, like you say, mate, the guys he's worked with, he's going to know. He's going to know how to deal with every every system that any club's got and how to tweak it and how to make it better. Um, I'm excited to see what he does. You know, we'll talk maybe later, you know, and maybe later pods about what's going to happen to the transfer window in January. We're going to lose players probably. But I'm the one thing I'm most heartened about is I feel as if Gio will be able to be able to cope with that. You know, even if he couldn't buy new players, he would be looking forward to he would enjoy um kind of replacing them if it means changing the system. So be it. Yeah, I think that's that is definitely an interesting um angle to all of this is is what will happen in the January transfer window, what will happen in the summer, does the system change? Um, do we start scouting and recruiting from different markets? Um, it's it's very, very interesting. But another thing that I'm looking forward to seeing is Gio's approach to Thursday night. Um now we 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 go away to, to Leon. Really it's a it's a dead rubber in that we know we're coming second in this group. Um, but this is a team Actually, Alec, you were—I think you were—you did the preview show with myself and with Tom from uh, the the Leon um, fan site and podcast, and he was very, very confident talking up how good Leon were, and then we we saw that firsthand that they were an excellent side who 
They won 2-0 at Ibrox, but it, it could have been more in some of the players that they had and some of the players that they didn't even bring to Glasgow that night. That They're a, a top-class European side. But it will be interesting as a kind of benchmark of the improvements that have been made to see how Gio treats this game. Um, now, Alec, we, we say it's a dead rubber. Obviously, there's financial implications that we, that we know if we get points or if we, if we get the win, then every little helps, I suppose. Um, how do you see us approaching this game and, and how will Gio treat it? I really don't know how we're going to approach it. I don't. But as I was saying earlier, um, this is this is a decider. This is the you know we won two 0 over there in the Viola Trophy, which I think is more important than the Europa League. Um, Tom that was on was having the you know the Intertoto Cup that they won. Uh, Leon was counted as a European trophy, so I'm having the Viola Trophy. Um, it's a proper a proper tournament. Um, and they won two 0 at Ibrox and a quarter years ago. We won three 0 in their old stadium in the Gerland, and they won three 0 at Ibrox you know, in the in the Champions League. So. This is a decider, and no home team has ever won this fixture. You know, it's it's always the away team. Um, it's one of these things, Ross. I, I, I'm keen, like every other Rangers fan, probably is is taking a just prepare for the potential of us losing and be ready to move on from it. But there's ways of losing, you know, and I don't want it to affect our, our confidence as a club. You know, in what's been a great week, um, a, a great few weeks. Um, particularly going to 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 Tynecastle after it, I would I would go with quite a strong team. You know, as I say, I think it's the you know the, the three changes we're talking about. You know, you probably have Ruth Davis and uh, Kent back in, and I'm not really that keen in changing much else because I think Leon are funny just now. I, they're playing just now. They were, they were playing just now. They were winning two one at half time. I don't know how they how they, how they got on, but they were twelfth in league and you know, and they were. It, they were playing Bordeaux. I was watching the, a couple of minutes of it, and uh, Bordeaux, as they say in the Sorbonne, uh, are honking uh, just now. They are absolutely <laughs> piffle. Um, so, but <laughs> Bordeaux were giving them a hard time. But they look, they could actually tear you apart, tear you apart going forward. But there definitely is uh, areas at the back where, where they're quite weak. Um, Denier come off with a he scored from a, a header uh, from a corner. Uh, tonight and then 10 minutes later he, he did his ankle in and get carried off so they've got a depth of squad though that you know there's no real there's no real there's no real let up but they've been making mistakes but when you look at the, the Europa League they're, they're averaging three goals a game we're the only team that didn't actually score three against in, in this in this group stage um, but they can be got at they show a lot of weaknesses in the, the game against Sparta Prague albeit they, they were 2-0 down and then won the game 4-3 but uh, like the boy Gusto is, is, is worth a is, he's worth a red card. Uh, he scored their own goal tonight and missed an open goal at the other end. So he's a bit of a, a nightmare. But I don't even know if he'll be playing because they've got so many players out there. Um, they're, they're a great team. But I, I would actually like us to go quite strong and try and, you know, I think you've got to try and win the game over there to maybe get a draw or get beat narrowly in a way that's not going to affect confidence. Um, but I think, I think we've got to be up for it, to be honest with you. I, I'm of a vintage that can remember Rangers experimenting in European ties and it being quite successful um, under John Gregg when he adopted Sandy Jardin as a sweeper and and played Sandy Jardin as an eight sweeper when you know um, Rangers were playing in the European Cup as it was then and I'd be interested to see if if he's going to try anything I would like to see him I know his philosophy will always be 4-3-3 or 4-4-2 or whatever it was but I, w- I would just like to see him make a, a kind of change to see if we can go with three at the back which might be more beneficial in a domestic context although I, you know, I remember suggesting that in a trip 
to to Florida with uh, Dick Advocate would, would it be something you would look at and he looked at me as if to say you know have another pint um, and it was um, because he went the opposite way he went rather than you know if you want me to reduce no you want me to, you want me to reduce numbers I play with two and and he did you know I remember one night at Dundee and I said it before he played with just Amaruso and Craig Moore at the bye and that was it everybody else was attacking so I I I'd, I'd, I'd like to see this to the to be used to the benefit of Rangers in terms of personnel wise and see if if players can play in slightly different roles or in a different shape um, rather than just saying it's a dead rubber, let's just stick out Cameron Rangers um, and, and see how they get on. I think I, I think we should be using this uh, as a as a, how can I put it, as a serious bounce game because you, you know, there are fin- financial implications, it could earn you a right few quid if you come up with a result here but I think um, I think I'd like to see different personnel maybe being used in a different way. I'd like, to, for instance, Patterson let him start it right back and see how that goes. You know, let let Ruth play play wide and play Sakala through the middle and give Morelos a rest. You know, it's it's you don't want to be taking sat many of his confidence by saying you're not playing in this game. But equally, for the same reasons as we maybe knocked down. Saving Davis and and Kent for a, a a game against Leon, it might be that one or two other guys are rested in this game or or don't play a part in this game just to see what else we've got in the tank. Yeah, I th- I think I agree, Stuart. I think it's um, financial implications aside, it is worth a bit of experimentation. Um, looking at Leon's result, they actually drew two each tonight, two um, 0 up at half time, and then pegged back in the second half. So. They are they are struggling domestically. They are leaking goals. Um, if Denier goes off injured and doesn't make it on Thursday, then that's certainly no no bad thing for us. So I, I think I agree. Let's let's experiment a little bit. Um, let's be attacking. Let's be positive. I'm heading over to the game, so I'll be um, getting the Eurostar to Paris and then the TGV down to Lyon. And oh come on! I cannot wait. You tell us that, Ross. Dear me. The Jers net, the Jers net expenses account getting absolutely arsed again. Yeah, Christmas bonus early. God's sake! I know, I can't wait. But it's the the, I don't know if you boys have seen, but the situation with the ticketing was an absolute fiasco. In that we only got our tickets confirmed, I think Friday um, of uh, for this week, maybe maybe Thursday this week. Um, So a week for for folk to then figure out: can I go? Can I get time off work? Can we book accommodation? Um, not easy, but they've got that, um, ma- that massive top tier. I mean, it's an unbelievable looking stadium. Mm-hmm. Um, Steve Davis is going; he, he's won here twice already. He won that the, the Viola Trophy, and he won there in Northern Ireland against Ukraine. Yeah, with the uh, Gareth McCauley, future Rangers starlet Gareth McCauley, <laughs> um, scoring one that day, and non-Rangers starlet Niall McGinn scoring. That's what we decided. There was, there was that, that boy had a future, you know, if he could score at that level. But I, I'm, I'm jealous, Ross. I'm seriously jealous. Yeah, because they've only given us 2,000 tickets, though. So we won't be taking up too much of the stadium. But because um, ah, there's worse places to be at Christmas time than swanning about Leon for a couple of days. So I'm looking forward to that very much. It means I probably won't be around to do a preview show on Wednesday because, you know, a day before a European tie on, on the continent with the Rangers. Aye. We'll, we'll, be, we'll be thinking about you, Ross. We'll, we'll be thinking about you. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, that um, that's kind of the only thing I wanted to talk about tonight was my upcoming jolly to to France. So I was wrapping the show there. 
Thank you, Judith Chalmers. <laughs> on, on holiday, holiday 22. Next week, I will be coming from the Algarve where there's no football, but I've got a Jersey Net credit card. We're, we're, sending, we're sending your picture to Interpol with known football hooligan. I must be in it, you know. <laughs> like John Darms will be after you. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. I'll give him a wee. I'll give him a fight. Um, gents, that pretty much takes us up to the hour, so we will we'll call it there. Um, a massive thanks, as, as always, to, to everyone who's joined us this evening on the YouTube stream um, and, and given us your thoughts on the show. And a big thanks as well to, to Alec and Stuart for giving up their Sunday evenings to talk Rangers. It's been a very, very positive week. Um, and, and a big week coming up, with, as we say, with the trip to Leon. Um, maybe nothing really to, to play for other than a bit of pride and a bit of cash, but... Um, a very, very important trip to Tynecastle next Sunday as well. So uh, a big week coming up and hopefully the, the good times continue to roll under the, the, the new reign of Giovanni van Bronckhorst. The Jersnet podcast will, of course, be back throughout the week looking at previews for, for the games and also the, the main flagship show next Sunday evening. That'll be 9.30pm on the YouTube stream, uh, but also then available for download the following Monday, wherever you get your podcast from. Please do join us for that and we will see you next week. Until then, uh, please do stay safe. The cases are still continuing to rise, so look after yourselves. Uh, and until next time, goodbye for now.